Welcome to the Southridge Church Podcast. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we want you to stay connected with us. You can find us on sanjose.cc or subscribe to the podcast. Good morning, church. How's everyone doing today? You know, thank you for the applaud. I really hope you feel the same way after the sermon. I'm kidding. It's great to see all of you this morning. Let me just get this opened up. I almost walked out up here without my Bible. How, it would have been so funny, right? But anyways, uh, welcome everyone. If this is your first time, I know they already welcomed you, uh, but welcome again. It's so hap- I'm, I'm happy to see you. I hope we get to talk afterwards. Um, for, I know there's a couple of people that came, uh, friends to see today, t- to hear me preach. Uh, thank you guys for coming too. And uh, those who are watching online, uh, thank you for joining in. I hope you guys leave uh, good comments. Um, and if not, that's okay too. I probably won't read them. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, um, we, we're going to continue in the book of Proverbs. Last week, as um, Pastor Mikhail was mentioning in the video, uh, Pastor Port did a great job. If you have not heard the sermon of last week, I highly recommend you go, go back and uh, listen to it. It's called Wise Up, right? What an awesome title. And so today we're going to be reading out of Proverbs 3. But before I start, before we dive in, I kind of wanted to set the context for today. Um, do you know what a proverb is? Because right? I feel like we need to understand this before we, we, we continue to dive in into Proverbs. Okay? Um, well, let me read this definition uh, by a very, very uh, respected Christian theologian and pastor. He recently passed, uh, Tim Keller. Uh, his work is amazing. And I just, every time I read his stuff, I'm just like sobbing. I was like, man, I hope to one day be able to you know, just articulate scripture this way. <laughs> but anyways, this is what he says. A proverb is a poetic, vivid thought, prov- vivid, thought-provoking saying that conveys a world of truth in a few words. Modern people, so us today, we don't have a category for proverbs. They are neither absolute commands nor promises, and often they are partial, meaning they need to be put beside other proverbs on the same subject to get the full picture. They are observations about how life works, The point of a proverb, then, is to get rightly related to reality through hard thinking and sustained reflection. Sounds fun, right? Um, A proverb is like, and I love this uh, illustration he uses. A proverb is like a hard candy. If you just bite down on it, you get a little out of it and may even get a broken tooth. Instead, you must meditate on it until until the sweetness of insight comes. So that being said, wisdom is not only for the deep thinkers, you know, the word of God tells us that we are all to be wise, to rely, and we get wise by clinging to Christ, right? Um, so wisdom is, again, not only for deep thinkers, it's how you get through daily life. It helps you know what to do if your child comes home with a note saying he got in trouble or with a black eye saying he got in a fight. It, 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 wisdom helps you, a proverb helps you um, with what to do in case you get you know, rich First, you give me some, and then um, you, know, you decide what to do with it next. Um, but Proverbs helps you with that, right? Um, and our wisdom will guide us as we grow in the knowledge and image of his son, Jesus, who is wisdom himself. Amen? So who here would say that they are pretty wise? Let me raise your hand. Yeah? I, I like to think I am. But every time, without fail, every time I think that I am, I do something dumb. You know, and I'm just like, and the worst is when you just read Proverbs, right? And you just drive out of the house and next thing you know, you're, you're over here, you know, 
um, with the resting blessed face in traffic, just angry. And it's like, I thought I was wiser than this, right? Um, so if you think you're wise this morning, I believe you, I promise. Um, but let me go ahead and read Proverbs 3, 1 through 12. Um, the word of God says, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, so you will find favor and good success in sight of God and man. Um, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Man, we're gonna hit everything today, even money. Um, Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with new wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him who he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the opportunity that you give me, Lord, to be able to come up here, um, to be able to just bring your word what a privilege and honor it is every time um, Pastor Micaiah will share the pulpit, Father. And I just thank you for that. And as, as I begin, Father, I just pray that you be the one speaking through me, Lord. That you shut my mouth with what I'm not to say today, Father. And it would just be you speaking to the hearts of everyone in this room. I know you have a word for everyone here, Father. And I just pray for their hearts, their minds in this moment. That they can just concentrate, Father, and let, and let all distractions aside. Leave them aside, Father, that they can just concentrate on what you have to say to them today. Mend the hearts of stone out there today, Father, with your word. And I thank you, Lord, that they're here, that they're Sunday morning here early, Father, to worship together, to hear your word. Bless them, Lord, and may everyone here this morning leave transformed. And all of God's people say, amen. amen. All right, so I want you to think about this statement I'm going to make. A statement I firmly believe to be true, a statement that I believe the the Bible also agrees. It says, how we think, how we live, what we love, and what we worship reflects the condition of our hearts. Man, let me say that one more time. How we think, how we live, what we love, and what we worship reflects the condition of our hearts. Because the truth is, we all love things, we all worship things. We all desire things. All right, so let's see what the word of God has to say about it today. But growing up, um, my mom was always so adamant about reading Proverbs. You know, she'd be like, you know, there's 31 Proverbs. If you guys don't know this, this one's free. Um, there's 31 Proverbs, right? Uh, one for each day of the month. And so I grew up with my mom telling me, hey, read the proverb of the day, read the proverb of the day. First thing in the morning, I know mom, read proverb of the day, right? And when I was young, what, believe it or not, I was a smart mouth. Yeah, I was very, very, I mean, I wanted to make sure people knew what I had to say and still do, but I'm a little bit more uh, reformed by Christ. Um, <laughs> I'm still working on it, guys, I promise. Um, but every time that I would get up, and um, of course, I wouldn't read it, right? She would remind me. And I'd be like, fine, I'll go read it. And then I'll go brush my teeth, keep going. And so then I would just go downstairs and start with my smart, um, you know, smart mouth comments. Um, and she'd be like, did you read the proverb? 
You're like, yes. What did you read? The Bible, you know? And it was, but, and she would go, go to your room and read the proverb. And actually, Proverbs 3 is the one I constantly remembered, remember my mom telling me to read, right? So this is what I would do. You know, I, I already upset everyone in the house, right? And so I'm going up, up the stairs back to uh, my room, and I grab the Bible, and I would say, I kid you not, I would say, fine, I'm going to read it, but I'm not going to listen to what it says. <laughs> that's, that's just rebellious heart. I'm telling you, I know Angel was like that. Um, um, but, but, and without fail church without fail every time that happened and it was often I would as soon as I got to school within the hour my mom would get a phone call hey your son um, is in the office he got written up he got in trouble uh, he got in a fight or he was just being very uh, rude and sarcastic with teachers without fail you know and then I started catching on to that um, pattern I was like huh every time I say that I'm gonna read it but I'm not gonna listen I end up getting in trouble without fail right and you would think that I would, maybe I should listen to it. No, I continued, right? And so what was happening was um, I was telling myself I didn't want to give the satisfaction to my mom and say, you're right, I read it. This is what it says. I'm going to act wise. No, I would say, I got this. I got this. And then I was like, I'm not going to get in trouble in school today. Then as soon as I got there, me and my dumb mouth, boom, I'd get in trouble. But that was because I had a rebellious heart. I was leaning on my own understanding. Have you ever heard the phrase, ah, my heart just wasn't in it today? Yes. Right? So often when you hear that, um, it's, it, it follows a mediocre performance, a mediocre task done, or ah, I could have done better, but my heart just wasn't in it today. Right? Just me? Am I the only one that said that? No? Everyone who didn't say anything can polish the halos. Um, <laughs> But what happens is it all starts from the heart. You know, the actions you take, what you say, it starts in the heart, right? So everything flows from what's in your heart. You, and you can fake it because I was great at faking it. Growing up in church, I was great at reciting scripture. I was great at memorizing scripture, right? I, was, I knew what, what answers to give, what to say. I knew what insights, what advice to give. Man, I had it down. And, and as I look back now, I was like, dang, I was a Pharisee. <laughs> let's, let's be real. That's what, in, in Scripture in the New Testament, that's what a Pharisee was. Because my heart, like them, did not belong to God. It didn't matter that I could recite Scripture. That, and of course, now I can't remember anything. Um, but it doesn't matter uh, unless your heart belongs to Christ. You know? And again, you can fake it, but eventually who your heart or what your heart is submitted to will eventually be evident, will eventually come out, right? The reality is all our hearts are submitted to something, a job, a person, a hobby, something. You know, think about what is my heart submitted to? What do I give the priority to right now? And uh, the best and wisest decision you can make, though, is submitting your heart to God, to the creator of this world. Like we were, re we were singing earlier, right? The Father, three in one. He, he knew you before your life even began. The wisest thing you can do is submit a heart, your heart to God. And so that leads to the first point, submit your heart. Let's, let's go back to the word of God. 
Proverbs 3, 1, 5, one more time says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. When I was going through this verse, I was like, oh my gosh, I have so much to say in so little time. I mean, there's like a hundred and something different sermons just off of those things I, 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 I've read. Right? But I was like, okay, God, what do you want today? You know, and we're going to be concentrating on what the heart is, right? What, what does a submitted heart look like? What happens when you submit your heart to God? Because again, it starts from the heart, right? So check this out. I love, and I'm, I'm kind of going to go through the verses because uh, I love just breaking verses down. Look what it says. My son, do not forget. So that's talking about the mind, right? Usually up in your brain, your mind is where you remember things, right? Usually. Um, it says, do not forget my teachings. But then he goes on to say, but let your heart keep. Notice that it doesn't say, let your heart, um, sorry, no, it doesn't say, it's, it doesn't say, uh, do not forget my teachings, but remember my commandments or memorize my commandments. Does it say that? No, right? God doesn't separate mind and heart here. He says they go together. You remember God's word because we're constantly forgetting. That's why one of the most used words in the Bible is remember because we forget. But then he takes it further and says, no, no. So it's outward and also inward. It says, let your heart keep. Keep is action. To keep something is you apply it. You hold on to it, right? And um, it doesn't say, don't forget my teaching. And I love that. Because if not, we forget. We forget every day, right? Deciding not to forget God's word is more than a mental exercise of memory. Let me say that again. Deciding to not forget God's word is more than a mental exercise of memory. It is also connected to a life of obedience. And that is where the keep comes in. God doesn't say, hey, I want you to be a robot that just remembers everything. No, no, no. Hey, you also have to obey it. Because what good does it do to you to know all of the Bible and not apply it? It's what Paul would call wasted um, knowledge, Right? So, keeping the commandments of God, that starts in the heart. Remembering starts in the mind. Amen? Another thing I want you to know here, and this is so important. Maybe if this is your first time, you're like, why do you guys reference this book so much? Why does it say, right here, Solomon is actually speaking to his son, saying, do not forget my teaching. He's not talking about Solomon's teaching. He's talking about the word of God. And then, but let your heart keep my commandments. He's not talking about a law. He's talking about the word of God because that's um, who, what, Paul, what Solomon relied on and that's what he taught his sons. And so it's like, why this emphasis on the word of God? Why do we make such a big deal about reading it? Oh, you're telling me I have to read something? Yeah. I have to meditate. And not only does it say read, it says meditate on it. That's just more than just... Oh, I read it, right? No, it's reading it and, and, and taking time to break down what you read. I heard a preacher this week say, and I'll get to why it's important. 
I actually, I heard it last night and I was showing my wife and I was appalled by what this person was saying. You know, he was saying that people will, you know, pervert the Bible, which is true. Don't get me wrong. It says people um, will use the Bible um, and tell people that their feelings don't matter, that they have to follow the Bible over their heart, over their feelings. And I was like, yeah, dude, that's what the Bible says. But he was saying, no, he's like, you, you gotta, he's like, sometimes you gotta put the Bible aside and follow your heart. And I'm just like, oh my goodness. I was so upset. I was like, really? Way to throw out all of Proverbs, right? But this is why it's so important. His word is the expression of who God is, his character. To trust in the Lord with all your heart is to trust in his word. And when you trust in his word, it's to trust in God's character. That's why the word of God is so important. And that's why we find wisdom in this book. Amen? Again, it does us no good to remember God's word, but not apply it. But when we remember God's commandments and keep them, remember, it's, it's twofold. It's two things together. Remember and keep, right? It brings daily and eternal peace. Check this out. As I was reading this, I, I, I kept like, I took forever to, to study because every time I would just like be like, oh my gosh, it says this. And I've read this Bible passage so many times, right? It says here, um, for length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. So again, it's important to remember that these are principles, not promises, right? Because the reality is we live in a sinful world and you can be the most devout Christian. You can be the most loving, generous person that, in the, that does all these things in the name of the Lord. But because we live in a fallen world, still die young. So when you read this, you're like, no, that's not true. No, no, it, it, we live in a sinful world where death still exists, Right? But check this out. As I was reading this, I was like, okay, so the promise is not length of days and years of life, okay? Because um, it, it, with the example I just gave. But check out what it adds. And peace, they will add to you, right? Because some might think, oh, a long life is, is a blessing. I don't know, man. Not, not, for me, it sounds like, do I really want to live past 50? No, I'm kidding. I do. Um, <laughs> But here's the thing, a long life without peace is a curse. It's not a blessing. A long life, length of days, is not, it's, it's, without peace is a curse. And that's the promise he gives us. I love that says, and peace they will add to you. The promise is peace. When we trust in, the, in, 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 um, in God's commandment and keep them and obey them, it brings us daily and eternal peace, regardless of what's going on in our life. Peace doesn't mean the absence of struggle, the absence of war. No, it actually means um, completeness, fulfillment, wholeness. And that's who Christ is. We are completed in him. We are whole in him. So regardless of whatever storm, whatever struggle we're going through, he promises peace. And I don't know about you, but I'd like to be, have peace. <laughs> That's the promise. They will add peace. I know people, and, and so it gives you daily, daily peace, right? Knowing, hey, you know what? I, I'm in need, but I'm going to trust God. That's the peace he gives you. I mean, he provides food for the birds. 
how much more for a son and daughter that he loves. Man. But not only that, I've seen people who are constantly worried about their future, about their tomorrow. And that prevents them from trusting God. When you're constantly worried about tomorrow, about your future, about your plans, it shows, hey, you have no peace. And if, you know, you worry, you're like, I have peace, angel. Let's talk after. (laughs) Because I want to see how you do that. But see, when we, in Christ, when we trust him, he brings us peace knowing that, hey, even if I'm hungry tomorrow, God still died on the cross for me. And I know that sounds, sometimes can sound like you're delusional, but honestly, it's the truth. We can have peace in spite of what's going on in our life because we trust in him. Is it easy to do that? No, absolutely not. It's hard. Will we mess up? Every day. Every time I catch myself worrying, I'm like, no, angel, you know better. I go to the word of God because it brings me peace. It reminds me. It says, remember. So whenever you're feeling that way, go to the word, go to prayer. So you can remember what God says. And, and let's be real here, okay? If you don't pray, it's because pragmatically you don't trust in God. You know, it's like, well, I'm not going to pray because, well, I don't see anything. You know, but that's not that attitude to have. But again, I, I still do that sometimes. We mess up every day. But here's, here's the beautiful part. You ready? So and not, not only does he give you daily peace, he gives you eternal peace. What do I mean by that? It means that we can have peace that regardless of how many times we mess up and forget, and that he has to remind us, our salvation does not depend on how good we remember. Our salvation depends solely on what Christ did on the cross for us. Amen? Amen? And I don't know about you, but that, that peace, is, it's beautiful. Knowing that this loving God, yet holy, righteous, and just, looks at us and says, hey, I'm looking at my son Jesus in you. And chooses to provide, continues to provide, to bless. Honestly, that's beautiful. See, we can have peace in spite of how much we mess up. And if you know of someone who's, you know, struggling, if they're like, hey, I don't know what I'm going to feed my kids tomorrow, be the hands and feet of Jesus. If you, know, if you hear it, it's because God wants you to do something. Not, I'm going to pray for you. Oh, if you can provide, do it. <laughs> right? God uses us to provide for each other. Another thing, uh, let's see. When we submit our heart, it brings favor before God and men. Check this out. Look what the verse three to four says. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Another version says loyal love and truth. So this is, this is beautiful. Ready? Steadfast love and faithfulness it's, it's often, um, it's translated from a Greek word called, um, no, I don't know if I'm saying it correctly, but no one really knows how Greek sounds, so uh, 
it's either chest or chest, okay? Which means truth, kindness, mercy, a loyal covenantal love. So there's times in scripture where it says, the Lord is great in kest, meaning the Lord is great in um, mercy, in truth, in kindness, and love. It is used to describe characteristics of God. So these characteristics, steadfast love and faithfulness, are characteristics that belong to who? To the Father, right? And look what it says to do with them. It says, don't let them forsake you. Bind them around your neck. What, what do you do with a, um, with a necklace? Oh, sorry. What do you do with a necklace? You wear it, right? For what? So people could see it. Because you like it. So, but it's, it, it's also meant to be appreciated by others. Oh, that is such a cool necklace. And if they don't like it, they're just haters, right? But, but like that, look at what it says. We are to take the characteristics of our father and wear them externally. Wear them around our neck so people can appreciate them. So people can see, hey, why are you so full of mercy? Why are you so full of kindness, of love? I was just messed up to you and you responded in kindness. Why? That's what wearing those characteristics externally does. It gets people thinking. It gets people wondering, what, what, is, what is in you that does, leads you to do that? Amen? Amen? But check this out, okay? Um, I heard this week a pastor say that God not only gives us the title of son and daughters, he gives us the power to act as son and daughter. And this, wearing his characteristics externally in our daily lives, is God empowering us to fulfill the identity as his children. Isn't that beautiful? He doesn't say, hey, good luck. No, no, no. He doesn't say, figure out how to be my child. No, he says, here, this is how you, ha- you, you have, this is with what you will have the power to fulfill that identity. Amen? And then he goes further. Not only externally are you to wear it, it says, um, by, write them on the tablet of your heart. He takes it further. Write them on the tablet of your heart. It means it has to go hand in hand, interior and exterior. Heart and mind. And this is awesome. Our God delights in the obedience of his children. Think about that. When we honor him, the Lord delights in that. Creator of the heavens and the earth, the giver of life, delights in these lowly men and women obeying him. The angels don't even have that honor. We do. Isn't that amazing? See, and when, when that happens is, um, when he delights in, in, sorry, no, I lost my train of thought. That's not what I was going. I can't tell you how many times I've seen God open doors that shouldn't have been opened for me. Amen. And I'm not saying because I'm super obedient. I'm saying because he's extremely graceful. But there's been times where I'm like, really, you're choosing me? Do you not see him? Do you not hear him? Do you, do you not see how much more qualified he is? And God's like, yeah, but I qualify those I call. 
because of your obedience. And only God can do that. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. It's like, really, God? A job that you probably aren't qualified for and you're doing by the grace of God. A blessing from your obedience. At your jobs, church, honor God daily. How does that look practically, right? Like, well, how do I honor God? Well, respond in kindness when someone says something bad to you. You know that one coworker that you just get home and just vent about? Buy them lunch. <laughs> or you just want to punch them in the face next time you see them, right? <laughs> I've had those. I've probably been one of those coworkers too. But they respond in kindness, in love. That's how you honor God daily. Be, wear his characteristics on your neck for people to see them. Amen? There's only like five of you saying amen. Thank you. Amen. <laughs> See, in a culture where it's all about yourself, where it's all about, hey, it doesn't matter who you have to step on to get to the top, right? God tells us to do the opposite. It says, you honor me by being the least of these, by being humble, by uplifting others, even if it means you stay where you're at. See, we constantly do things to dishonor God and he extends his love, his kindness, and mercy to us. Which he didn't have, doesn't have to. So why wouldn't his children do the same with each other? If you know the father does that, you know, if one of your brothers this morning sees you, you know, with an angry look out there, I love you anyway. I promise you he's gonna get more, man. But you'll be honoring God. Hey, I don't know why I did, but I'm sorry. You know, let's hug it out. I'm gonna punch you in the face. That's okay, I love you anyway, right? But that's really, that's, I know, I know it's funny, but when we dishonor God, he, he extends his hands of mercy to us and says, no, there's a better way, my son. There's a better way, my daughter. Others will begin to recognize that different lifestyle in your life. Why are you so loving? Why are you so kind? And when you get that opportunity, tell them why. Oh, just because I'm a good person. No, because Jesus Christ died on the cross for me and he does that to me daily. He does that for me daily. So now I'm to reciprocate that with everyone. Amen? Amen. See, when we submit our hearts, it develops a supernatural trust in a supernatural God. See, having this type of trust is not natural to man. It's not. It sometimes is illogical. Sometimes it's like, how can you, what? Really, you're doing that? Yeah, why? I don't know. I just trust God, right? Have, <laughs> so our natural inclination is to trust in ourselves. Every time. And that's what I was doing when every time my mom would tell me, hey, go read your Bible so you can, you know, have wisdom for the day. I got it. No, I did it, right? We know what's best for us, right? That's, that's the attitude of our hearts. Each and every single one of us at one point has said that. No, 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 I know better. If, and, and sometimes we think that way because, hey, I, I trusted in someone before and he hurt me. I, I relied on someone and he used me. 
they abused me. Right? And so we, we tend to say, hey, you know what? I'd rather just trust in me because I know I'm not going to hurt me. Because we think we know what's best. But you know what? Sometimes we don't even know what we want for lunch. <laughs> no, honestly. Don't get me wrong. I understand why we go to that place. You know, even in church, there's been people that have abused scriptures and have used you. And so you're like, why would I trust in, in, in God if this person who claims he loves God acts this way? Right? I get it. I get it. I know why people, you know, retreat to that position. But we think, oh, it's, it's a safe way. But it goes, against, it goes completely opposite of what God's telling us here. To not trust in yourself. It says, um, trust the Lord with all your heart and lean on on your own understanding. Jeremiah 17.9 tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can understand it? Can you, underst- excuse me, can you understand your own heart? No. Why not let the one that created you, the one who understands your heart, gave you that heart, why not trust him? Our hearts constantly want something different because we're never satisfied. God fulfills our needs, our desires. He fills our hearts. There's this, there's this quote I, I found that I really loved. Because it's, it's saying here, trust in the Lord with all your heart, not part of your heart, right? It says, if trusting God is to be true, it must be complete. To put half our trust in God and half our trust in self or something else is really failure to trust the Lord at all. Some of us will say, Lord, I will trust you with this, but hey, don't touch my finances. Hey, Lord, I'll trust you with this, but don't tell me how to raise my kids. Hey, I'll trust you with this, but don't tell me what, I, you know, what job I should take. He's not telling you. He's telling you to use wisdom so you can make the wise decision, right? But here, what it's telling us is when we say, God, here but not here, we're trusting in ourselves. God, lead me here but not here. It's like not trusting God at all. It's not easy, I know. I, I struggle every day. I'm like, oh, I really want to do this. No, but this is what the word of God says. And I've seen his faithfulness. I've seen his goodness. So why do I want to keep doing what I want to do when I've seen the benefit of obeying? But how, what are some practical ways? Um, but, but sorry, but a practical way of you showing that you trust in God with your heart and not leaning on your own wisdom is by just saying, yes, Lord. It's a practical way, right? It says, trust the Lord, not just listen to the Lord. Because if you just listen and don't trust, and again, it, mean, it doesn't mean anything. To trust means that you have the confidence that it will hold up when you lean on it. Do you have trust that Jesus Christ will hold you up when you lean on him? It's a supernatural trust, right? Because it's not natural to us. And I'm going to go quickly because I already saw the time. When you submit your heart, check this out. When you submit your heart, it transforms your perspective. Proverbs 3, 6 says, In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make you straight your paths. I'm going to continue to go. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bone. In all your ways acknowledge him. 
that's a practical way of showing that you trust him. Some, sometimes you might think, I don't think real, God really cares what I do for a living. Well, yeah, he does. Or sometimes we just make decisions, you know, oh, without even thinking of, hey, God, is this wise? But it says in all your ways acknowledge him because that shows that you trust him. Oftentimes we're afraid to let God direct our paths, direct our lives because we don't know what his will is. It's not clear, right? It's like, God, what is your will for my life? And I am here to answer that question for you. You ready? His will for you is to trust him with all your heart because from there he leads you on the path he has for you. It's that easy. Okay, it's not, right? What does, that, what does that look like practically? Right here in this passage, Solomon uh, gives an awesome answer to the question, how can I know God's will for my life? First, he says, decide to put your trust in the Lord. That's the first thing. Then decide not to trust your own understanding because that's a choice you have to make daily. Just because you decide to trust in the Lord doesn't mean you're gonna decide to stop trusting yourself too because you try to do both, Right? So decide to put your trust in the Lord. Decide not to trust your own understanding and give priority to his revealed word. And decide to acknowledge and honor God in all we do. Because here's what happens when we do those three things. It gives us peace. It gives us peace to know that, hey, if I'm heading down the wrong direction, God's going to redirect my path and lead me to the path of his will. If I do this and not that, make it a journey with God. That's one thing I heard from a a friend of mine who's a pastor. He said, sometimes we think A, B, or C, which was your will, God? Well, you know what? I'm going to make my decision to go down door A, a journey with you, God. And if it's not right, redirect me. You see how the the perspective change in that? Hey, uh, you know what? A didn't work out, Lord. I'm going to go down C now. But redirect me if that's not the right way. That's peace. And a godly perspective shows God's faithfulness in our past and gives us confidence to our future. Because we look back and we're like, oh man, that job that I really wanted, that I was super qualified for, that I prayed for and God didn't answer, that wasn't what was best for me. And so God shut that door. But if you don't have this perspective, you say, God, you didn't answer my prayer. But God's saying, no, no, my, my son, my daughter, I have something better. That relationship you thought that you were going to end with, end up with, right? You're like, this is the person I'm going to end with, my, you know, live out the rest of my life with. And then something happens. You separate. It's like, God, I, that was him. I gave him my heart, whatever it is. He's like, no, I have someone better. So we see those things in our life as God intervening and saying, I have something better. I am in control. Don't forget But without the proper perspective, we blame him. You didn't answer me, God. And oftentimes, I know you've heard this many times, a a delayed answer is still unanswered, right? It just builds trust. When when you're praying for something and you're like, man, God is silent. Go to his word and I promise you he will speak. When you submit your heart, it changes your perspective on your finances. You're not, no longer clinging to money, but you're clinging to, get, to God. And it says to give him the first fruit. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm rushing now because, you know, I'm running out of time. It starts small. You're like, but I need this money. 
yeah, I know. But when you give to God first, you're saying, I trust you, Lord. When you give him your best, you're saying, you've provided for me then and you will provide for me again. So here you go. Do what you need to. I can't tell you how many times I've seen you know, my, my own father you know, give money that he, I know he didn't have. And God just comes and says, hey, do you need this much, exactly this much for this, right? Boom, here you go. He uses someone. He uses someone else. He uses believers. He uses non-believers because he controls all things. Amen? Amen? But in, in a practical way of showing you trust God is saying, here is, for, first and foremost, here's a little bit back of what the money, you, the much you have given me, God. We no longer have selfish desires with our money. But rather now, you can be a part of someone's answered prayer. I'm like, hey, you know what? I have this extra money. I'm going to go buy some, you know, $800 shoes that I don't need. Right, Kevin? You know what? No, I, I actually heard of this family that needs this. God, I, I would love to get these shoes, but they need this. And that's what God does. He changes our hearts. He gives us wisdom. He gives us wisdom on, again, what to do with, us, with that money, what to do with our time. And, and when I hear people in the church say, hey, I got a race, I'm like, awesome, so did the church. Your tithe better grow up too. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But no, it, it, we rejoice, right? But give God, give to God what belongs to God. And you will see that he will bless you. And if it's not, what's it called, bless you with more money, you know what he blesses you with? His virtues, his characteristics, with, with love, with patience, with kindness. Some people think when they hear blessing of God, they're like money or possessions. No. The whole book of Proverbs shows that wisdom, love, kindness, all those virtues that are from God are worth more than gold. Men, and lastly, I'm going to end with this. When we submit our heart to God, he transformed our understanding of God's discipline. It says here, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him who he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. You know, in the culture today, when we hear discipline, we think abuse. Because it's happened to each and every one of us. Like, he's using his authority to, to abuse He's using me. But the Lord's discipline, you know what it does? It forms character. It adds wisdom and love. When God corrects you, when God disciplines you, it's to build you. God doesn't say, oh, look, you did that again. And here I am having to extend grace again. No, 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 no. He said, my son, there's a better way. And you know why discipline hurts? Because it prevents us from habitually sinning. We can't, we, we gotta go through the fire to learn sometimes because that's just how obsessed we are in trusting in, our, in ourselves, in our own wisdom. But the discipline of God isn't to shame you. He doesn't shame you. And so if you're in a position of power, a, 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 a leader in a church, a pastor, you know, a, a leader in your job, whatever it is, if God doesn't do that to you, don't do that to others. Your discipline should always build people and say, hey, it's okay. 
Let's work on not happening again. Because that's what God does. You know, he doesn't have to, right? Because he's a holy God. Yet he disciplines you with love, with opportunity. Amen? And God uses discipline to expose sin. Sometimes we don't know that, oh, this is wrong. I, I thought it was innocent. But see, when you read the word of God more and more, he exposes those hidden sins. He exposes those, um, that pride that you didn't even know you had. I'm very humble. No, I'm kidding. I love that in uh, uh, Moses, and I believe it's in Exodus, you know, he describes himself very humble. He's like, wow, the writer of Exodus describes himself as humble, right? I thought that was funny, but whatever. But church, I'm going to end with this quote. Again, it's from Tim Keller. It says, what the heart most wants, this is important, okay? The mind finds reasonable. The will finds doable. And the emotions find desirable. Why? Because it all begins in the heart. So if your heart desires God the most, your mind will remember. Will learn his word. And he'll find he'll find it reasonable. The will you will find doable. Yeah, my desire is to honor God. So no matter how hard it is, I'm gonna do it. Because that's what my heart desires. And then it affects your emotions. You desire to be more and more like Christ every day. And what happens is you become wiser. You begin to more easily express the characteristics of God in your life every day. Let's stand up. This moment, you know, I don't, I don't know what your story is. You know, and if anything you heard today, you're like, I just don't agree with you, angel. That's okay. Find me. We'll talk about it. Questions are good. Tells me you were listening. <laughs> but if this, this morning you're like, you know what? I, I haven't been trusting in God, but I need help. You know, if that's you, you know, I, it's the worship team I'll plays this next song, you know, raise your hand up or come to the front. We want to pray with you. Or if you want to find me afterwards, you want to find Selena, any of the leaders, Ethan, find us. Start small. You know, a practical way you can, what you can do to trust God is, hey, God, yesterday I didn't trust you with this, but I'm going to try it today. Here you go, God, take it from me. And do that every day, little by little. It's not going to happen one overnight. But if that's you, you're like, I need help trusting in God. I want to pray for you. And maybe you're like, hey, this is my first time here, but well, the heart to God, what are you talking about? You have peace in the middle of storms. You have peace when you have need. I want that. If you've never given your life to Christ, why wait? I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, friends. If you're going to trust on some, in, in someone, in something completely, why not trust the one who formed you, the one who created you, the one who knew you before you were in your mother's womb? Amen. Let's pray. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your word, Lord. Because through it, we gain wisdom. Because through it, you speak to us, Father. And I pray, Lord, that everyone here this morning may never disregard the word of God. 
because that is your expressed, expressed character, Father. Help us, Lord, to be more like you every day. Help us to love, Lord, to wear the steadfast the love, Lord, that covenantal love to, to wear the, um, mercy, truth around our necks, Father, so we can show it off to everyone around us. Say, hey, this is who my God is. And for those who are struggling with a decision right now, Lord, I just pray that the Holy Spirit comes and encourages them. Touch their heart, Father. Transform their hearts and their minds, Father, that they can seek you, Lord, that they can trust you every day of their life with every aspect of their life, Lord, because that's what you call us to do. Help us be your hands and feet, Father. And we have that ability to bring peace to someone in the middle of a storm. May we do that, Father. Thank you for everyone here, Lord. Bless them. And I pray that when they leave, they can remember your word. Amen. Thank you again for spending time with us today. And a special thanks to those who give generously to Southridge Church. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about Southridge, you can follow us on social media at Southridge Now. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with a friend or even take a screenshot and share it on your social story. Make sure you tag Southridge Church and let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.